If you follow any of either me or Hannah on social media, you've probably picked up that we had puppies recently. Um, that was a full-on experience. It was great. It was full of joy. It was also pretty hair-raising at times. Uh, and anyway, so we had three puppies. We sold two of them. We kept one of them, uh, little Dashens. So uh, one of them was sold to a couple who contacted us through a pet's website uh, and uh, they said, I hope you don't mind, but we've Facebook stalked you, speaking to me, and they said, we like The Chosen as well. The Chosen. I'm like, oh yeah, The Chosen. TV show about Jesus and his disciples. Um, so I replied and said, oh great, are you guys Christians as well? And they said, yeah, we are. Uh, and I thought, what an interesting way to sort of introduce that subject. We like the chosen as well. Perhaps that's how Christians identify each other now, uh, by which Christian TV show they like. I don't know. Uh, anyway, if you haven't watched The Chosen yet, I definitely recommend doing it. It's all about uh, the life of Jesus. It's kind of like a Netflix style series. You get an app and you can stream it to your TV. You can like cast it to your TV. Um, it's really good. Uh, I, but why I love it as well is because it really focuses on the disciples. It's talking about who is chosen. So you get a really interesting insight into what it would have been like to follow Jesus when he calls those first disciples and then each of them in turn being called and the different story that they had. Why were they chosen to be one of the 12? What about some of the women who followed as well? You get really interesting insights into what that would have been like. And the fact is, they would have been normal. They would have been totally normal people. Um, if you've um, read your Bible, if you've been a Christian for a while, definitely, even if, even if you haven't been a Christian for that long, you've probably heard stories about the disciples. And you can get really au fait with them, can't you? you can get, they get boring, don't they, some of these Bible stories, because we just know them so well. And what's helpful about this is that it, it unpacks it in a way that helps you imagine it more. Uh, you can really imagine being there. Um, so if you haven't watched it, do watch it. That's The Chosen, and that's now how you identify whether you're a Christian if you want to buy a miniature dashend. Anyway, uh, we're talking about discipleship today, uh, and this is just one of my favourite topics to talk about. Uh, discipleship is key. It's what we are about at G2. We're all about making and becoming disciples. Uh, that is, that's, if that isn't the purpose of a church, I don't know what is, to be honest. That We exist uh, to help people follow G Jesus, to discover him. But it's not just about knowledge. It's about following him. It's about how we uh, live like he did, live like the disciples did, and do our lives in a way where we're following Jesus in every aspect of how we do life. That's what G2 is about. We're about discipleship. We're about helping people to follow Jesus in every way. I'll tell you what we're not about. We're not about putting on a great show. We are not a spiritual show. We're not looking to be Christian entertainers. Hopefully, stuff that we do at G2, we want to do it well because we want to do everything to the glory of God. But we're not about perfection. We're not about excellence. We're not about trying to make something that, like the best so that people are really entertained. What we want to do is have integrity. We want to follow Jesus. And if something's great, then that gives glory to God. So we want to do that. But we're just not about putting on a spiritual show. And I think that in this coming season, this will become more and more apparent. 
as, as we go into the next academic year, as we come out of COVID, as we start to meet again, it will become more and more obvious that this is who we are about. This is, this is what we're about. This is who we are. We're not about doing a great show that everyone enjoys coming to on a Sunday and then they go back and do their normal life. We're about helping people to do their whole life in a way that has integrity and is following Jesus in every aspect of it. So that's why I wanted to just talk about discipleship in August. We're here to grow. We are growers as people. So uh, what is a disciple? Uh, a disciple is a follower. It's, it's one who follows. It's one who is growing. It's not someone who is static. It, a disciple is a, uh, a verb almost. I know it's not. It's a, it's a noun, but it's a moving noun. It, it, there's a movement to it. Um, and uh, so Matthew 8 in the message translation is great. Uh, Matthew 8, 22, Jesus says, Your business is life, not death. Follow me. Pursue life. Message Trust sometimes nails it with those different translations. The message translation is, is great. Um, so your, your business is life, not death. This is who you are, right? If you're watching this, if you're a follower of Jesus, your business is life, not death. Follow me, Jesus says. Pursue life. That's why we are here. That's what this discipleship is about. Uh, and then, of course, Matthew 28. This one's for the NIV, verse 19. Therefore, go, says Jesus. There's a movement to that, isn't there? Therefore, go. Don't stay still. Don't just sit there. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make. Don't stay here and don't do nothing. Go and make. Create. Make disciples. We're made in the Creator's image. Go and make. That's what he says. So often we just sit in church and expect things to be done for us. We don't want to like really pitch in too much. We kind of want to just turn up, hear a good sermon, sing a good song, go home again. There's so much more to discipleship than that. So uh, there's an old uh, Scottish guy called David Smith who used to be at St. Michael of Belfry. Uh, and when I was a teenager, I used to love his sermons. And one of his little phrases, he had loads of little phrases. He, he died a few years ago and um, I went to his funeral and loved hearing the stories uh, of the, the, the ways he used to preach, the phrases he had. And one of his little phrases, which he used to do all the time, uh, was he would say, the trouble with lots of you is you're not standing on the promises of God. You're just sitting in his premises. That is what we do too much. I hope that Scottish accent was okay, by the way. Sorry if it offends anyone. Um, uh, so we just, we're, we're not standing on his promises. We're not going. We're not making disciples. We're just sitting in his premises. Come on, G2. That's not what we're about. We don't just want to be church attenders. I mean, come on. There's so much. If that was all there was to discipleship, you could do so much better with your time. There's loads of better shows out there. There's loads of better things to do if you're just looking for entertainment. Church is not that entertaining and it's not meant to be. We're meant to be a radical people, a, a radical body, a community who are following Jesus We're on a journey. We're making disciples of others and we are transforming the communities around us in which we live. That's why we exist. 
And we can only do that if we take responsibility for our own discipleship. And disciple, discipleship has, has a connection clearly with the word discipline. In order to be a good disciple, to be a, a, a disciple who's going for it, you have to have discipline. So which areas of discipline do you need in your life? Spiritual discipline that will bring sharpness. Otherwise, you'll become a lazy Christian who sits there and waits to be fed by the beak like a little bird in the nest. Come on, we're better than that. In what areas do you want to take responsibility for your discipleship to stay sharp so you can help those around you to grow as well? So discipleship is a lifelong journey. Thankfully, we're not on the road on our own. We're walking together with one another. We're in it together. So what you are learning at the moment will bless me and it will bless someone else. What they're learning is also going to bless you. Only if we chat, only if we stay in communication. So discipleship is done together. A great picture of discipleship is walking on a journey together. Imagine if G2 went on a, like a, a walk along the coast uh, near Whitby or something, and we're all w- walking on a beautiful coast. We're ch- this person's chatting to that person. Someone else is running around. The kids are kind of being a bit crazy, but in and out, having a little chat there every now and again. Um, we would speak to each other. And that's so important about that we communicate what we're learning about God so that we can sharpen each other. We're helping one another to grow in our faith. This is 24-7. It's not just a Sunday afternoon thing. In what ways are you growing in the early mornings? What about your lunch breaks at work? What about uh, your evenings when you're out with your mates? What about in your sports uh, activities that you get up to or your hobbies when you're um, making something at home, when you're crafting, when you're doing something with your kids? Um, Whatever rhythms it happens to be, where does God fit into those things? And are you sharing that with other people so we can learn off one another in our discipleship, in how we're following God. One of the key things in discipleship is that you have to take responsibility for your own growth. Now, genuinely, in my my humble opinion, this is something that just doesn't happen, particularly in the Western church, a lot. It's pretty rare that you see somebody who has taken responsibility for their own spiritual growth. Someone who doesn't look to the church leader or a pastor or some someone else to say, you, it's your responsibility to teach me so I get bigger or so I grow. That is just not true. Think of it way more like an athlete. Yes, we've got coaches. Yes, we've got expert uh, trainers and nutritionists and um, therapists and, and physiotherapists and whatever else if you're an athlete, but the athlete has to keep themselves sharp. They are the ones who have to keep getting themselves up each morning and training. Any of these guys who've won anything in the Olympics have had dark mornings and late nights where they've been training and no one was there and there was no applause. That's discipleship. Paul gives that analogy of it being like the the Christian walker, being like an athlete or a soldier, or a farmer. And neither of those, none of those three people can thrive in in their thing of being an athlete, or a farmer, or a soldier. You can't be good at those things if you don't embrace discipline. It's only if you're willing to go for it in the dark and in the quiet when no one sees you. And that means you've got to take responsibility. So let me ask you this question. How are you taking responsibility for your own spiritual growth? What are you reading? What was the last thing you watched that was 
that was a blessing to you? Did you did you think oh, I really want to want to hear a talk on this? I don't quite know what I think about this, so I'm going to find out. I'm going to do some reading. I'm going to do. I'm going to listen to a podcast or listen to an audio book or get a book off Amazon or wherever you get your books and and read it. Um, how are you growing? Don't just wait for someone else to look after you to grow because you're not kids anymore. Unless, of course, you're watching this and you are a kid, in which case, fair enough. Um, but probably you're even better at doing this than some of us. You're probably, if you are a kid, you're probably taking some responsibility for this too, reading the Bible on your own or something like that. You're probably really good at asking questions. So keep going at doing those things and we can learn off you. But for those of us who've been around for a while, Come on, let's take responsibility for our own spiritual growth, for our own discipleship. Let's look back to uh, the, the, uh, what it would have been like to be those early disciples. Matthew 4, let me read uh, to you from Matthew 4, 18 to 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat, with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, back in the day, disciples um, normally had a long process of becoming a disciple of a rabbi. Every young boy, not the young girls, but the young boy boys would have been through school uh, through like a Torah school where they would learn the Torah back to front. They would learn it off by heart. They would learn all the uh, Psalms. They would learn the uh, the rhythms of prayer. Um, and it was rigorous, right? But each year, if you weren't very good, you'd kind of get eliminated. It's like one of those uh, velodrome races where the slowest person gets eliminated. And, uh, and you end up with like this elite few at the end. So each year group, they wouldn't make it, and then they wouldn't make it, and then they wouldn't make it. And it would get slimmed down and down and down and down until you were left with just a few um, young lads. And they would make it to be disciples of a rabbi. And they would have, by that point, would have been able to choose which rabbi they were particularly wanting to follow and be like. Um, so they were the elite that made it. Now, fishermen were not the elite. So these guys here definitely didn't make it through the elimination rounds. They maybe even got knocked out at round one. These guys uh, had gone to fish with their family. They were not perceived to be bright. They were uh, the not exactly the down and outs, but they were just normal working men. Uh, no one had expected them to follow a rabbi. Anyway, so like I say, the, the, these bright young things would pick their own rabbi. Here, Jesus goes up to these young men and says, follow me. He picks them. That's extraordinary because it's normally the other way around. What an invitation. Come, follow me. They're like, wow, this is just like getting picked. This is like 
you know, you've been the kid in school that never got picked for the football team. And then all of a sudden, Gareth Southgate goes, I can actually see something in you. Now, maybe that's not a great analogy because some of us, if he picked me, I would just be awful. Like if I, I would just be rubbish. I've got some friends that are good at football and if Gareth Southgate picked them, they would back themselves and feel they could do a good job. I'll be horrendous. Anyway, <laughs> but the point is Jesus picks these disciples and says, follow me. He, he, he actually means walk in my dust, walk behind me. As I walk, you walk right behind me. And as I do, you follow me. You do as I do. Um, You walk closely with me. Wherever I go, you go. If I sleep, you sleep. If I eat, you eat. That's what the invitation involves, to be a disciple. And that's true for us. Jesus is saying to you today, it doesn't matter if you followed him for 50 years or if you followed him for 50 minutes or if you're still just thinking, maybe I will follow Jesus now. Now's the time to do it. Follow him. That's the invitation. He says, come, follow me. So even if you've had a a lockdown where you weren't that sharp on your discipleship, even if you've had a summer where you've kind of let things go, a little things slip a little bit in terms of some of your disciplines, maybe you're just thinking, oh, I'm just no good at being a Christian. Jesus is saying, hey, it doesn't work like that. I'm not looking for elite. I'm looking for people who are going to follow me. And today's the day. Follow. It's time. So uh, Jesus uh, ate with his disciples. Uh, The disciples uh, discussed everything with him. They argued with him. They traveled with him. They followed him wherever he went. They listened to what he said. And he had to say things again and again. Lots of things he repeated. They fought over who was the best. They doubted. Uh, They broke the law with him as he broke various laws. They went into illegal territory. They had interactions with people who were unclean with him. They went on such adventures. They saw all sorts of miraculous things that they did miracles themselves. They were amazed that demons were cast out in his name. Jesus is like, that is amazing, but it's not as amazing as the fact that your name, no matter who, you're not the elite, but your name is written in the book of my father's house. Um, he taught them, he sent them out, he gave them confidence. This is what he'll do for us. He believed in them, he was patient with them, he, was, he amazed them, he showed them how to do miracles and he washed their feet. This is our Jesus, this is who we're following. He is worth everything, he's worth giving up everything for. And he, that includes our time, our convenience, our comfort. Which area of your life do you need to like surrender a bit of comfort and go, well, instead of doing that, I'm going to do this as well. Um, In my life, it looked like early mornings uh, with family and I like to get to the gym often in the morning. I just realized the only way I can really spend time with God is to get up early. So that's when I started getting up at 5am. So I had time with God first. Uh, and then means I can go to the gym, I can get back and be part of family life before the boys go to school. A bit different in some holidays, so I don't always do that then. But uh, which area of your life do you need to make time? Is there a place where you need to go, oh, I can't really fit this in, so how am I going to make that happen? Because you, disciples are made, therefore go and make disciples. So you need to make it happen with him. So we can do this in lots of different ways. 
you'll hear us talk loads more about discipleship in the coming year. Um, but whatever small groups look like, that's going to be crucial because we're meant to do it together. We do mission in community. We're meant to do it together. We encourage each other as we go. We need one another. So small groups are going to be really important for how we do discipleship. Just let me say this to you. You are able to bless the person next to you or the person uh, who you also are in a small group with, the person that you do life with, the person that you chat to at G2 in person. If we could all think like this, what do I have to give away today? When you turn up to G2 on a Sunday, if, you, if all of us were thinking, what have I learned? What have I read? What has God said? And how can I bless someone else with that? It would dramatically change who we were as a community. But so often we don't do this. And this is definitely included myself as well. So I'm not pointing the finger at anyone. Sometimes we just turn up. What would it look like if we came with something? Not empty handed, but with something to give away. So that you're thinking, I've got this encouragement. I read this in the Bible and I'm sure it'll bless someone. So God, who do you want me to share this with? Maybe it's something that you would share on a microphone. Maybe it's something you share quietly over a coffee with someone. Maybe we could pray for each other more. We need one another if we're going to go for this discipleship thing. And just like the early disciples did and the early church. Maybe uh, one-to-one discipleship is another way that you could pursue this more as well. Is there, is there one person or p- perhaps there's a group of three that you can meet with where you can keep each other sharp on various areas? Because the world wants to send us to sleep. It wants to inoculate us with comfort and entertainment. We are being entertained to death and it's time to wake up. The people around us will know this. If you're a student, that your mates who are at uni with you, they are so aware that the world does not offer them enough. They do not have hope that is abounding. They do not have purpose that is meaningful. They're just living life and they're kind of in a trance and they want to wake up. So you have the truth that can that they can um, become awake to, but you've got to share it with them. And that's the same for all of us as well. So let me pray to finish. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much that you invite us into this discipleship journey. Thank you that you've lived as a human with a group of humans, with a group of people, so you get what it's like to be a real person. But thank you that you're also fully God. Thank you that you are the way, the truth and the life, Jesus. And thank you that that truth is available to every single one of us and every single one of our friends. I pray that as we go into the next academic year, as we go through this summer and out of some restrictions and into a different way of being church, I pray that we as G2 are a church that are in pursuit of following you, that we pursue life and you are life. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done, for who you are and for all that is to come. Amen.